Hello, 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 and welcome into another episode of Popcorn for Breakfast. Kirk's got Kirk. What do you got there? You're doing you're doing art now. Yes, I've got this whiteboard with me here, and my drawing skills uh, were inhibited, and they stopped growing after Blue's Clues. So you will uh-huh. only get Blue's Clues level of drawings. Sure. I mean, I don't want to offend, but I think that might be like a half step below Blue's Clues level. Because <laughs> listen, and this and this is no knock on you because I could do no better. But you know, sometimes them Blue's Clues fools be doing some cool drawings. Oh, that's true. I mean, they probably. I mean, a lot of times there were some three D stuff going on. Um, yeah, yeah. I will say, I will Prisms say that I can and, and the like. Like like cubes, Cylinders. I will say, <laughs> I I can draw cubes. Yeah, almost. okay, that's, that's pretty good. Almost correct. That's oh, like I a Jello cube because it's kind of like wiggly. There we go. I got some extra lines going on here. Mm-hmm. This is terrible. This no, is absolutely it's good. Awful. Kirk, you're always bringing something new to the program. That's why that's why I like having you around. It's always fresh. It's always fresh. So, thank you. As uh, oh, to intro, my co-host Kirk. Hello. Hello. I'm your other. <laughs> Dang it. I knew you. I was like, okay. I was watching your face. I was like, he usually does two hellos. I was like, he's going to do a second one. And then I was like, <laughs> right when I got to the point where I'm like, all right, no, he's not. Then you hit me with another one. It's, it's well done. Um, Kirk's here. Sometimes I wish he wasn't, but he's here. I am your other co-host, Cam. Uh, as Kirk's whiteboard said, Uncharted. That's the film we're reviewing this week. Uncharted starring... Spider-Man himself, Tom Holland, and Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, Mark Wahlberg, um, Antonio Banderas as well mm-hmm. is involved yes. in this picture, and a few other up-and-coming actors, actresses. I don't like the word actress. I just say actor for everybody. So, because that's how I, that's how I am. I'm, 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 I'm above that. We don't need to, we don't need to separate into two categories, all right? Um, but anyway... Good, good cast here. Big names, big film. This is a this is an adaptation of a video game. A video game. This, this has been yes. happening a lot recently, Kirk, hasn't it? It feels like, I mean, certainly, video gaming is at sort of an all time high and is sort of always growing because the sophistication of games and, and what what modern consoles and PCs are capable of doing. Gaming is becoming bigger and bigger every year as technology grows. So. Yeah. I, I maybe shouldn't be surprised that there are so many video game adaptations going on, but man, does it feel like there's a ton right now? Yeah, just a ton. There's a big market. They're like, you know what? These people that play these games, they deserve to see their heroes on screen. Yeah. And uh, is this on N64 or Sega, this Uncharted series game? Yeah. So um, while you were in your cryo sleep for the last yeah. 20 years, there was a new company called Sony that, that came into the oh. fold and they've done pretty well. They've had five consoles. Uh, the most recent one is awesome. PS five. I've owned all of them actually. Not, not just not to brag, well, but I have, I, I, am flex, a, bro. I am a Sony Stan <laughs> for sure. And so, yeah, this is Sony, Sony original uncharted, um, it's interesting that, you know, the video game genre as prevalent as it has become has not been critically acclaimed. There, there are very few, if any, <laughs> uh, video game to movie adaptations that have been 
well received by uh, critics or the academy or what have you. Um, fan reaction has been mixed. I think some some movies do really well with fans, others don't. Uh, so this is another. And and will this be the one to sort of uplift the category and set a new standard? I think that was the question a lot of people had going into this film. But let's go ahead and get into it, Kirk, because we got a lot to chat about. Uh, we saw this movie Sunday night. Uh, unknowingly, it, was, it apparently people still get off school for President's Day. I had no idea that that was a thing. I don't right. have school-age children. And so the theater was actually pretty full, which I, you know, I love to see it. I love to see it. And uh, it was good. So let's get into it. Uncharted, starring Tom Holland and Mark Wahlberg, follows Nathan Drake. He's our hero from the video game. He's uh, he's an explorer who, after losing touch with his brother Sam, is sort of pulled into the world of exploring. He starts off really just kind of obsessing over history and uh, you know lost treasure and, and all of these sorts of things that an explorer and, and a treasure hunter would, and finds himself with the opportunity uh, to work with Sully. Um, and, and to help who's played by Mark Wahlberg and to help him locate in this case, Magellan's treasure, his gold, which is, uh, one of the things that Nathan Drake had talked with his brother, Sam about along the way, they come in contact with a whole host of characters. Of course, an adversary played by Antonio Banderas. There's sort of this whole thing of like, who can you trust? Who can you not trust? You know, even between our two uh, lead characters of of Nathan Drake and Sully, there's definitely not a trust that's built there. Um, and then as more characters sort of come into the fold, there, that sort of theme permeates throughout the movie. And it all, uh, we are going to be talking about spoilers. So if you haven't seen the film, just a warning to you, we do spoiler full reviews here. Um, it all sort of culminates in them finding the treasure and, you know, having a big battle between all of the, the dueling parties to sort of figure out who's gonna, who's gonna take it home. And the ending may surprise you if you haven't played the games or, or what have you. Speaking personally, Kirk, I, you know, I just (laughs) flexed about my, uh, my Sony fandom, but Uncharted is not a series of games that I have played. You know, I've always known about it. I've, I've played some of it. I've never owned an Uncharted game. I've played it with friends. I've played it over time as it's been around for a really long time, but it's a very popular series. You know, Victor Sol- Sullivan, Sully, Nathan Drake, those are names that I'm very familiar with. Um, so I, I was interested to see this, but didn't have a ton of prior knowledge going into it. Kirk, what's, what's your level of exposure to Uncharted? Same thing. I, I knew, well, less. <laughs> Rather, I have not touched the video game uh-huh. or a PlayStation since PlayStation 1, I believe. So um, one of the most fascinating things about this was that how full our theater was on a Sunday night at 8 o'clock, despite it still being President's Day, because it was mostly grown people of our age, right? Likely a lot of gamers. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. their girlfriends there for Tom Holland. So I just want to call out the. Well, the, that's the, that is a that is a dangerous assumption there, Kirk. I mean, I the, don't know. I don't know. I think it was brilliant a casting for this movie to get off on its feet because it was all people our age or a little bit younger. I won't stand for this sexism. There are plenty of women women gamers, Kirk. Listen, listen. When I tell my <laughs> wife, when I tell my wife, what movie you're going to see? Oh, Uncharted. Who's in it? Oh, and then she stops. She's like, wait, Spider-Man, that little, that little Tom Holland. He's a fun one, isn't he? 
<laughs> so I know not that small she sample size any... though. She she Aubrey is like a Mario Kart gamer. So she games. I, I gamed right. with her growing up, but she's not she's not like the big role play RPG type gamer who would be drawn to this. So that's that's right. fair. And she's not drawn because she's attracted to Tom Holland. She was she's just excited about his talent. Other people sure who are extreme gamers and then maybe don't give their significant others the time of day. Could be. And they have these celebrity crushes. The marketers on this were brilliant because there were a, there were couples, there were couples all throughout and you and I who probably looked like a couple. Usually. And that's fine. Yeah, we usually do. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm at peace with that. I'm, I'm comfortable enough in my, my status and, and uh, sexual orientation to, to with, withstand that. <laughs> And frankly, I think we make a lovely couple, Kirk. And so anybody anybody presuming that, I'm like, sure, what else? I don't care. Um, other thing, so you are correct that, that the, the gaming community, even to this day, is still predominantly male, though that that is changing. Yes. And maybe Uncharted is one of those games that, even though it's a one-player game, sort of draws people together. Because there were a lot of couples there, and I was, I was surprised by that. Um, because I thought it would be a situation where, like, I don't know. We've been in a few theaters <laughs> where it's all dudes. Uh, like, I don't know, typically fast and the furious type of situation or war, war movies. A lot of times I sort of expected this being a video game movie. It would be similar in nature to your point, but no, it was a good, it was a good mix and it did really well yeah. in, in the box office it did about a hundred million, um, which is in the pandemic era. Wow. I mean, that's you're smashing it out of the park opening weekend. So uh, I'm sure we'll get a sequel. It, it was directed by Ruben Fleischer, which is of note because he's directed the Zombieland movies, the Venom um, movie. I mean, I know he directed the first Venom movie. I can't remember if he directed Venom 2, but he's done quite a few movies that have had really good box office performance. So um, this was a, another big big title for him. But yeah, it did well. Uh, and, and the video game movies are sort of mixed on how they do in theaters, but this one did did really well. So let's talk about it. Let's get technical and let's, let's break down uncharted to see if it was worth all those dollars that it brought in over the weekend. Let's get into it. Um, so first we're going to start as we always do with our acting superlatives. The first one being titled and the Oscar goes to, which is for the best actor in the film. I'm kicking us off this week and I am giving my Oscar to Tom Holland himself. I, I you know, it is so interesting the situation that he was put in, in this movie, because Nathan Drake is a beloved character among, uh, among the target audience of this film, the people who have played the game. It's a very, you know, as we've said, it's a very storied game franchise and people who love those games, love Nathan Drake, uh, maybe even more so than with a lot of big video game series. He is one of the most beloved characters in video gaming. But what's interesting is that, the way that this character was written really didn't give him, it, it kind of gave him an uphill battle, I would say. The way that the the, the dialogue and the, the way the character was written in the movie really gave him an uphill battle because um, the, his whole character hinges on this relationship with his brother who has gone missing. All of the emotional depth in this character and in this film comes from that relationship. And the only real concrete information we get about that relationship is a 15 years ago flashback scene that's really short. I mean, may, maybe not even five minutes. I, I mean, I'm probably undershooting that, but it's 
it's a really short flashback scene and there's really not a ton to work with there. And it's not overly emotional either. I would say it's just kind of like a very basic exposition laying of the groundwork. It's just, it's not the most emotionally compelling scene. And so then for the rest of the movie, you've got Tom Holland trying to build an entire character out of this relationship with his older brother that we frankly, as the audience know very little about, but I, all of that said, I thought Tom Holland did a great job within the circumstances to build a, a character that was very lovable, um, who was was not the most uh, rich or consistent character. He was a little bit vague in terms of his overall likeness and um, personality attributes, but but somehow still managed to be really charismatic and to. Um, perform well with his scene partners and to play off of the other actors in the film really well. And, and I would, I'll go as far as to say that he totally carried this movie and, and that really one of the most interesting things about this movie was his performance and his character, even though I feel like it was an uphill battle and it could have gone really wrong, but he made it go pretty right. And so that for me was a huge accomplishment and I continue to be pretty impressed by his range and what he's able to do as a professional actor, because this was, in my opinion, a very professional performance under what I would consider to be less than ideal circumstances for the character he was given. Excellent. Excellent. Um, from the filming, the filming, the production of this did, I can't remember, did he finish filming on this and go straight into Spider-Man or No Way Home or vice versa? I think it was, I think it's the first one that you said. I think he finished this and then did No Way Home. Okay, cool. Very cool. Very impressive. Um, his physicality in here, there's a couple of moments where we see Tom Holland as Spider-Man, particularly in the helicarrier when he's getting ejected with from all the debris and stuff that's being shot out. And he has his classic Spider-Man pose. Honestly, it's like so ingrained in his body and he would probably hate if anyone called that out. But ultimately, that was the only moment in all of his action scenes that I was like, oh, Tom, I see Spider-Man. Pull it back. Pull it out. Um, no surprise here. Tom Holland is also my Oscar goes to. Congratulations, Mr. Tom Holland. You are en route to your Academy Award one day. We've got The Impossible. We've got every appearance in the MCU. We've got Cherry, Apple TV+, Plus, Netflix's Devil All the Time. Tom Holland is just an incredible wonder. He has, I think, a total of 38 film credits uh, and like six on the books. Uh, it's just un unimaginable how he is able to be so impactful at such a young age. Um, there's very few actors out there, but you know every one of their names. So my I tip my hat to you, Tom Holland. Everything that Cam said was correct. Um, Cam is already spilling into his director's shoes, and I love it because those are some of my exact same call-outs, Mr. Tom Holland. Nice. Good pick. If you ask me, it's the only pick. <laughs> and there's I, no, I, I, there's don't know, no, I don't know that yeah. there's another good option there. Um, okay, scene stealer. This has potential to get weird. Um, I don't have a scene stealer. I, I don't have I don't have one, and and I hate to do that. I try not to do that. I really do. But this movie, and, and I'm I have already started to show my hand a bit here. I have to continue to show my hand a little bit. This movie is chock full of characters that are, and this is harsh. I couldn't come up with a better term to refer to it as whenever I was doing my notes, but 
just kind of nothing characters. They're just nothing. I mean, you know, one of the big criticisms of this movie when it first came out from the fans, because I try to have my finger on the pulse of how people are reacting to these things. The big criticisms were the casting. And when you look at the, when you look at the images of the characters next to uh, the people who were cast, particularly when it comes to Mark Wahlberg being cast as Sully, um, I think, you know, they did, they did okay with uh, Sophia Ali being cast as Chloe Frazier, etc. But people really raised their eyebrows about Tom Holland and, and Mark Wahlberg. But so that, that definitely factors into it. The fact that the casting is, is perhaps a little bit off, but like Mark Wahlberg is just himself in this movie and he's a good actor. You know, he, he, he tends to be in a lot of movies where he plays himself. I didn't think this would be one of them. I thought he would, I thought he would bring something to the table with this, but I don't necessarily feel like he had the opportunity to with the way that his character was written. And none of these characters really have any major appeal from an audience standpoint. And that doesn't just mean that they were bad, <laughs> like as in bad morally in, in, in the confines of the story, because bad characters are often some of my favorite characters. I love the bad guys, but just generally good guy, bad guy in between, not interesting, not interesting. And I don't think that these actors were given a fair chance to put their stamp on this movie, whether it be um, Sophia Ali, Chloe Frazier, etc. But, you know, even if they, even if they had had a chance, I just don't feel like there was really anything there for them to do. And I thought that some of the performances were at times quite bad, to be honest. It's like, it's particularly Antonio Banderas's character was real bad. I thought that, um, at times, uh, Braddock, which is played by Toddy Gabrielle, there were times where, and this could have been direction. It, it may not have been totally her. I don't really know much about her and I'm certainly not here to slam actors for their work, but I'm just criticizing the film on the whole. At times there was some overacting and over embellishing going on with that performance. Um, so it's just, it's a bit of a mess when you start to look at the supporting cast. And I personally could not <laughs> find one to give flowers to for a scene stealer. And I hate to do that, but that's yeah. where I'm at. I gotcha. Well, I tried hard. I tried really hard and I came up with one. Um, at first glance, I really wanted to give it to like guard at museum or <laughs> <laughs> luxury sedan driver, which are real <laughs> character titles yeah. in this film. Um, and I came across, I landed on the actress, Sophia Ali, who plays Chloe Frazier. Um, this is one of two of our, of our female leads that come into play. Uh, Chloe has a history with Sully, Mark Wahlberg, and she comes to be very fond of Tom Holland, Nathan Drake. Uh, I thought she was wonderfully deceptive and uh, her moral compass when it like activated uh, in response to Nathan Drake's moral compass. I thought that that was, uh, that was really sweet in those moments. Um, Ultimately, it wasn't like an incredible performance, but when you line it up against everything else that was next to Tom Holland, I'd have to give it to her. And you're right. What's going on with Mark Wahlberg? I mean, your boy has know, done some man. some really great work in the past. We, we hear all about his workout regimen all the time. Congratulations. You are uh, a specimen. But 
this performance was very akin to M. Night Shyamalan's The Happening, where like the same like vocal inflections that were totally just useless. And uh, it was as if he had read his script the moment before he was going on screen, not knowing anything about what was happening and then just like jumped right into it. It was very, very upsetting to say the least. Agreed. I, I, I was, I was surprised. I, I will, I will say that. And, and he has, like I said, he's been in some movies uh, where he is kind of playing himself. He does a lot of these like action type movies that are like, <laughs> we'll just say not very plot oriented and a little more yeah. like boom, boom, bang explosion oriented, which is fine. I'm down for that too. I mean, I, I, I'm not turning my nose up at action movies. I I really enjoy them, but this was not a a spot where I expected him to phone it in. And, and I feel like he did. I feel like he played himself and and I feel like a little bit of that, a little bit of that falls on the director, Ruben Fleischer. I feel like if you're going to cast this character, you have to try to turn him into the, cause it was a controversial casting and then you, you have to really turn him into Sully and they didn't. And instead it was just the whole time you're like, yep, that's Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> He's really not playing any discernible character. Right. He just really was himself. So it's, it's upsetting. Uh, but I will agree with you that Chloe Fraser did a good job of concealing the intentions of her character during the, sort of like late first act, early second act of, of the film, uh, which which gave this movie a little bit of life, which was which was needed. All right, let's move into Showstopper and talk about what we liked most about the film. I think for me, there is uh, the sequence in the club where Chloe and, and Tom are, <laughs> yeah, Chloe is the name of the real character. Chloe and Nate. <laughs> Chloe and Nathan Drake are in the club having to continue to work through their mission and also um, evade like these the bad guys who are coming after them. And there's this really great, like a really solid piece of action film making going on where they're in the club, they have to blend in, and then they pretend to be bartenders because there's a piece of the puzzle in the bar and they need to like open something up and Tom Holland's character, Nathan Drake channels his bartender days and is like serving up drinks and serving up quips and hitting people with bottles and stuff. And it's like, man, that like that piece to me was the most interesting part in the whole movie and the most fun part of the whole movie. And I'm like, where, you know, this is great. Whoever storyboarded this should have done the whole movie. Like whoever came up with this should have, through that throughout the whole movie because I thought it was great. I thought it was actually well edited, well well directed. I thought Tom Holland, Tom Holland was great performing the scene. I thought him and him and uh, Sophia Ali were were really good, and, and it was just really electric all the way through, really until um, you know they almost drown in the the underground area, and then they find the urns full of salt and the right. map where she turns like that whole set piece. Um, starting at the club and going to where she leaves them in the lurch and takes the map. That was the most interesting part of the movie and was just genuinely good action, almost like spy adventure type movie. That was the best sequence of that um, in the whole film. So that's, that's my showstopper is that whole set piece. So you're saying that the moment that Mark Wahlberg came back into play, that it became uninteresting again. <laughs> uh, I hadn't thought of it that way, but I think you're right. He, he's like, 
<laughs> he's not involved in that scene very much outside of like the Papa John's fight that he has in the middle of that at some point, which is which actually kind of funny too. Uh, it's it's really it's it's all three characters' best moments. It just happens to be that Mark Wahlberg is very minimally involved in that whole set. Yes, piece, so I, I, I don't think that. that's a coincidence. <laughs> I will say that when he when he wanders and is very bewildered that he's like, I'm somehow found my way into this Papa John's. He's like, yeah, he says, I'm literally a, in a Papa John's right now. <laughs> that line killed me. That was pretty good. That's pretty good. Um, what are we on? Showstopper? Showstopper. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, cool. So my showstopper has to be the heist of the the second key. We don't know that we're getting the second key at this point in the film, that the or, or rather that the first key has already been um, recovered by, uh, by Miss Ali. However... That the heist scene is solid. I think it's solid. I think the fight sequences are also very, uh, very good as well. Um, we don't know the the origin of Nathan Drake's ability to fight uh, as such. You would just, I guess, you just assume. Well, he was in the system and he had to be a whippersnapper. But like, he's a trained fighter, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, <laughs> we don't. We don't get any of that, but it's all very well choreographed. The way that he uh, is jumping around and just sneakily just evading people and ultimately getting what they need, um, being a trickster. Uh, like, I love, I loved it. It, it was very, just very fun, just very fun uh, cinema action happening all the way up until, and there's a theme here, all the way up until... Mark Wahlberg's big <laughs> trick in flipping his jacket inside out when everyone saw him bidding of like of four people yes. bidding on the key itself. And then your 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 security just like hands it over to him. Didn't you see him raise his paddle? Didn't you see like a lady walk over to him during this? Like, no, you saw this man. Like it makes no sense. Well, and isn't he so like mad. isn't he like known to people who would be there like he's a collector right, right? he doesn't right. usually he doesn't usually like go to bidding things but like there are multiple people there who know him and know of him uh, yeah i don't know that, that that's a that's a pretty big plot hole right but up until then again right. there's a trend right. up until then wonderful wonderful heist moments jumping even jumping onto the lights a little far-fetched but it was great i think i think the clumsiness that tom holland brought to it of i guess we're doing this gotta survive gotta make a distraction right his commitment to um uh, uh winning their their mission was was great and well played out so that's my showstopper yeah i i mean i agree with that i think Heading into director shoes, um, we'll kind of get into it here as, as I've as I've adequately tipped my hand at this point. I think this movie has a lot of issues. I think that the majority of the issues take place in, in the latter half of the movie. But even even the front half of the movie really has some struggles executionally. I, I mentioned the um, the the open the scene with the flashback. It's not impactful enough. There's some bad acting in that scene from the actors involved there's some bad writing in that scene and the whole emotional compass of the movie relies on that scene and that scene alone to drive uh the stakes and 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 how you connect with the character and it fails to properly establish that so from from really really early on in the movie nathan drake and tom holland are given really a a far uphill battle to try to pull you in and, and keep you engaged i think that that's a problem some really annoying executional stuff. And obviously I'm not a film director, but I've seen enough movies to know when these things are happening, poor editing. It's, it's very choppy in the first half. There, there's some really 
strange cuts. There's some scenes where like clearly Tom Holland or Mark Wahlberg, they're like showing the back of their head. Like clearly they're not saying what the audio is doing. Like that's just incredibly sloppy. And, and it's the type of attention to detail that you just come to expect in a big budget movie that just wasn't there more often than not. And I think largely where this, where this film struggles and I alluded to it earlier is the characters and the plot because the characters don't bring much to the table at all, which is really hard to stay engaged. The villains in this film are bad and, and very flawed. There's a scene where like Antonio Banderas has, has uh, Braddock kill his dad in the car. And it's like never mentioned. They're never like, you know, world renowned leader of this family was killed or found dead or murdered. Like they never even touch it. And I'm like, what? That's an insane thing that he can, he can just have his dad killed in broad daylight in a, in a car. He's a part of this huge wealthy family and that never comes up again. That's a preposterous plot line. Then she kills Antonio Banderas in front of all those guys. And, and they like, I can't tell if they're like alluding to, they were all in on it together or everybody's just like, well, she slit his throat. Not to mention on that scene, unrelated, he has a laughably small amount of blood coming out of his throat. Whenever his throat is slit. Here's the thing. If it's a PG 13 movie and you slit somebody's throat, don't show them after the throat slit because there's no way that you can do it accurately that will look good. And this looked so bad. It, it I was laughing. I was literally laughing out loud because it looked like somebody had come and squirted ketchup on his throat. I'm like, we're supposed to believe that that guy lost an ounce of blood and died immediately. Like <laughs> this is shockingly bad, but there's just, there's, there's a lot of problems, but I feel like the other problem and this is more genre specific, I would say, is just that video games on the whole are a creative medium, just like we talk about. They're a storytelling medium, similar to novels, graphic novels, novellas, television shows, miniseries, film, etc. Video games are a storytelling medium, like it or not, they just they just are. But they are built in a way, in a very different way. Um, they're actually more similar to a book than a movie, I would say, because you are you are putting yourself in the role, you are role-playing as the main character. Because of that, most main characters of video games are written in such a way that the player can easily put themselves into the shoes of that person. So they are given these really broad and vague, nondescript-type personality traits where someone can easily go, yeah, I could be Nathan Drake. You know, they're they're given these very like unspecific kind of general personality traits and, and, and they're given some spice to make it interesting. But in general, it's really hard to write these characters because they don't have a lot to them. While the story is great, oftentimes you'll find, I'm playing a video game like this right now. All of the subplots and stories and things happening are so interesting and so rich, but the main character is intentionally not because they are you and they are only meant to be a conduit for the rest of the story to take place. And I feel like in this movie, you had the opposite thing happening and that happening at the same time. So you had all the supporting characters are uninteresting. 
I want nothing to do with them. I don't really like any of them. I don't feel connected to any of them, etc. And then on top of that, you got Nathan Drake, who, despite Tom Holland doing a really good job um, performing this character, just really didn't have much to go with. And so it becomes a bit of a muddled mess and, and frankly, a bit of a snooze fest to where I'm like, well, I don't really care about many of these characters, so anything that's happening right now doesn't matter. And then when you cap that off with one of the most preposterous action sequences I've ever seen in my entire life, which we haven't even gotten into yet, um, I was like, I'm out. Because the whole movie, and sorry, Kirk, I'm going on forever here. The whole movie is grounded in the real world. And the video game is mostly grounded in the real world, though they do this really good job in the games, as far as I've seen, of like building you up towards like what's acceptable and unacceptable in this world. Um, but even after Tom Holland has, has survived falling out of a plane, which they do a decent job with, it's, it's insane, but it's like, it, nope. it almost makes sense within the confines of that world. But the flying giant thousand year old ships out on helicopters and maneuvering through mountains and shooting cannons off those ships like that whole sequence is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen. And that's not me being a fun killer. It's just you establish rules in your movie and then you have to adhere to those rules and they didn't do that. And so the last scene becomes laughably hysterically bad and, and really hard to watch actually. Yeah. Let's just keep going on, on that one right there because it's part of my director's shoes because when you get these ships Hundreds and hundreds of years old. You yeah. strap them up to chains, metal chains, to a single helicarrier per ship. Yeah, and they're not There's big. No way. They're, they're not big helic. I mean, they like they're big for helicopters, but not big enough to carry giant ancient ships full of gold. You're right. I shouldn't say helicarrier. They're single helicopters. They really are. Um, they're what you what you often imagine that when we see um, Vietnam films uh, or yes. real or real photos from Vietnam. That particular type of helicopter, uh, that military-grade helicopter, which are strong, but much smaller than the, than the Magellan ships by by aspect ratio that we see yes. uh, on screen in front of us, and you put these chains on them, those those ships would fall apart instantaneously upon moving them, and suddenly they're able to, like Cam said, move side to side, <laughs> even crash into each other a yes. couple of times with like just a couple of dents in them until finally they they start to they fall apart when they do a big crash, a big crash scene. It makes absolutely no sense and there's this weird this weird love that braddock um who is the the character that kills off antonio banderas's father and antonio banderas um where she approaches the ships and she's like i've waited my entire life for this and i don't believe you yeah, no, in the I don't slightest either. a person that looks the way you look the way that your attire is with your with your crop top and your military gear but like glam military gear you do not care about magellan ships at all i don't believe you i don't believe you this whole movie is this random hodgepodge of national treasure 3 and da vinci code just souped it together uh it, it's it's an absolute mess i loved how you stated about uh the the characterization or the, the very much lack of of the Nathan Drake conduit. I love that because you want to believe that at any moment you can just insert yourself into that situation because there's not 
real defining characteristics. I, I, I just want to call that out, that it was such a good take uh, on Nathan Drake. The forced flashback that you mentioned earlier, no connection to the brother. I don't care about him at all. I don't care that when we see him at the end, when he's in a prison, that he's been gone this whole time, that maybe he exists. Uh, maybe he's alive. Maybe this is a flashback of him in a cell writing those postcards. I do not care about him at all. Antonio Banderas is basically stuck in his spy kids uh, character from the early 2000s. <laughs> yes. I love that. <laughs> like that's all he plays anymore. That's all he plays anymore. Um, the unrealistic survival of combat cam mentioned you, you mentioned that you, you kind of believed him falling out of the, the, hel- the helicopter with the debris falling. I did not believe it at all. No one could do what they did, you know, ramming into a car and then like flying above it and then like making yourself go to it. I mean, Nathan Drake has never, he establishes that he's never jumped out of an airplane and then all of a sudden he can just fly through the air, um, know how to move his body in order to not just flail around and spin out uncontrollably. I mean, I certainly don't know how to do any kind of skydiving and, and uh, from what the movie told me, Nathan Drake can't either. And jumping from catapulting himself from different heights, like higher and lower and then somehow pulling that parachute and not like breaking his neck before yeah. it hits the water. Like none, no one should have survived. No one should have survived that at all. Um, we get again, zero information why he could fight the way he could fight. There's no real explanation of, Hmm. Don't know what I wrote there. Hmm, just erase that. But, um, and po- possibly the most offensive thing uh, that I noticed in this is the underutilization of the brothers' postcards when we discover yes. that they are actually clues to this whole scavenger hunt. I mean, when they come into play and Tom Holland's character, to no fault of his own, is dumbfounded, he's like, oh, wow wait a second, I think these could be the clues. Like, terrible writing in the direction. It could have just been visually uh, exposed. But they only use it like twice, and I feel like there could have been a much more fascinating way to distribute those as clues to the story as a whole. Yeah, I think I think actually, and I know that I just rattle off a thousand things in director's shoes because I'm literally just going through every tick mark that I had because there wasn't like one overarching thing. But I think actually if I had to pick one overarching thing for director's shoes, it would probably be that the scavenger treasure hunt that they are going on is pretty underwhelming and and you don't really feel like you're a part of it. Like I think these movies like national treasure, et cetera, even like think about this is very akin to like a murder mystery. It hinges on the audience member feeling like they're involved in solving the puzzle. And this movie didn't really have much of a puzzle. And the biggest puzzle solving moment is pretty much reduced to a montage of them sifting through these postcards. It's like, they're like, ah, let's not bore people with the details here. And I'm like, no, I think like we would like the details. It would actually make it kind of fun. Uh, Ever think of that? And it's, it's not. So I think that that's a, that's a big problem. So all good yes. things. It's it's a mess. It's a, it's a bit all of a bad mess. things. We just yeah. gave you all the bad things. <laughs> all right, let's get into final thoughts and scores on Uncharted. Um, where to begin? I mean, I mean, think I think that in general, this movie had a lot of potential that was kind of wasted. There there are tons of things executionally that are sloppy. I mean, I mentioned the editing at times. The um, 
the, the rules of the world. I think obviously if, if that action, you can make that final action sequence make sense if you establish early in the film that, hey, preposterous things can happen in this world, but we don't really get that information until the very end of the movie when preposterous things start happening. And at that point, it's it's already too late because we've spent half the movie in a world where it's it's very kind of like real world type action sequences where people, if they jump on a uh, floating light thing in the middle of a room, it breaks and they fall. <laughs> you know, like that, those are the kinds of rules that they established and then went back on. But the characters hurt this film. The writing hurts this film. The, the direction is, is sloppy. I think, I think the saving grace of this movie is, is Tom Holland's performance, which I think is pretty good. And frankly, like the first half of the movie is enough to be somewhat engaging up through, and it's not a very long movie um, at all. I think it's, it's shy of two hours if, if my timing was right while we were in the theater, but the first, like the very first half of the movie, really up until there's the first scene where it's like just the villains um, is pretty engaging. And then that set piece that I mentioned with the club is really good. Um, but after that, it, the whole thing really falls apart in the second half and gets really ridiculous. And an, another thing executionally that I forgot to mention that's just now popping into my head, using CGI when CGI wasn't necessary, necessary in 120 million dollar budget movie um i'm thinking back to braddock's character jumping onto the ship to face off against tom holland's character like clearly cgi to the most preposterous extent ever um most of what happened with the ships i'm like dude you can make these things out of carbon fiber uh christopher nolan would have made real ships and blew them up 13 times and built new ones you know like there are ways to do this in a cheap way um but they just didn't want to because they kind of wanted to throw it together and and they're like, go make a blockbuster, you know, go go make some dollars, which I guess this movie did. But I, I always I always hate taking a movie that's that whose core purpose is fun and giving it a bad score because I'm always afraid that like people will be like, Oh, you just don't want to have any fun. It's supposed to be a fun action movie, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I promise you. There is no one who wants a fun action movie more than me. John Wick, like I want I want that. I want the first National Treasure movie. Like that's fun. It's stupid, it's crazy, it's it's preposterous, but executionally it's tight and it works. And, and those are the things that fell short in this movie and the characters aren't compelling enough to make up for those mistakes. So it it uh it falls flat. With all that being said, and I've been struggling with this one a lot because I'm self-conscious. Uh, Don't I'm, be. I'm giving this it is a safe space. I'm giving it a three, three, three point three out of ten. Colonels, very overall, very disappointed in a movie that I was very excited to see. Well, Cam, that is a very respectable score for this movie, and I like what you said there at the end about you know it's meant to be fun. So how can we rate it against something that's just supposed to be silly and fun? Well, then they should have exposed that more. They should have yes. given us those rules to this world, but they didn't. They wanted us to be as realistic as possible. Um, to the CGI thing, there were moments there were like maybe four shots also where they had like these wide angled shots where it looked like exact frame by frame of what you might see in the video game. There was a different filter effect on it 
looked terrible. I knew exactly what they were doing, <laughs> and it looked terrible. They were trying to say, look, it's just like the video game. Look, if these characters are coming to life. No, it didn't work because this movie was supposed to be more realistic than the video game, but it based off of a very fake video game. <laughs> so you can't have it both mm-hmm. ways. You can't. Um, also, we didn't get to talk about the absolutely overextended, awful cameo appearance of, I had to look it up later, the <laughs> the actor who plays um, Nathan Drake, yes. the actual voice actor, on a beach as they walk up, a very long, like three or four lines exchanged, um, more than a 10 second shot. Like it's horrible. Terrible, it's terrible so cameo. Um, I mean, what a, what an absolute waste of time to add into this movie and just confuse the entire audience. You did it. You, you can, you, if that was your goal, you did it. Um, and to continue on, this is just more director's shoes. Uh, when we, <laughs> when we first meet, um, Chloe's character, um, in, I forget what country they're in. Um, we, we get, we get the back and forth, what you were talking about, the, the backs of heads and like their heads are moving and they're listening to the person that's moving and there's no way that's what they're saying. (laughs) There's some really rough ADR in there as well. You can tell it was a busy area that they were filming in and they would have had to do some audio dub after the fact, which is very common, but there's also some like bad editing right there in that sequence. Like it cuts, it cuts from like almost like a, Almost like in uh, <laughs> in It's a Wonderful Life, there are some very hard accidental cuts in that movie that you know is just a, a kind of of the time issue, and we kind of see that in this multi million dollar movie, Many times. right there in that sequence. It's rough. It's some rough times. So, Cam, your score was not was not far off. I give it a got to get to my camera a three point four out of oh, 10. Oh, we were like right in Girls. line there. Impressive. <laughs> it's um. It's it's sad. It's a little sad because I knew nothing about this movie, but I well, I was hoping for the fun ride that it promised. Yes, and it did not deliver. Same, dude. That's exactly what I wanted, and 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 I do have I do have like I said I do have a little bit of exposure to the to the game, so I, I somewhat felt like I knew what to expect, and then didn't really get that at all. And, and <laughs> dude, I could go on all day. I have I have so many things that keep <laughs> popping into my head. None of the jokes, none of the jokes were funny. Like, okay, I shouldn't say none. 10% of the jokes for, were funny. The other 90% were so unfunny and so forced that it was hard. Oh. I'm remembering a few exchanges between Sully and Nate that were just like, youch, so bad. The The one that really sticks out in my head is um, them talking about the number of apps open on his phone. Oh, yeah. it was incredibly forced i was like it's it's like the script writers were s- like 70 plus years old and then we're like hey intern come in here and sprinkle in some of your new juju on this movie so that we can make it right re- like that's what it that's how bad it felt that also that joke also didn't land because hey guys remember marky mark is an incredible shape he does not look like an old man, even though he yeah. is nearing 50 or even possibly past 50, but he looks like a sharp 37 year old man. Like <laughs> there's, there's nothing old about him. Like you can't say that joke about him. It's just not feasible. No. And the whole cat through line, like yeah. not great, really just not great. And we get a setup for the sequel, terrible scene. And why wasn't his stinking necklace part of this scavenger hunt? Maybe it's a bigger yes. deal later, but that should have absolutely played into something. 
into this first introduction of these characters. 100%. It's got problems, Kirk. It's got major problems. Um, We'll be here for three more hours discussing the terrible. We we could be. I mean, I just keep coming up with more. I should have been more, I should have been more structured in my notes, but things keep coming to mind. (laughs) It's we're only, we're only two days removed from having seen seen it. So it's still pretty fresh. And that's, that's the reason why in in a way I'm still digesting it, but um, definitely, have digested it enough to know that it was not good. So that's our thoughts on uncharted. If you saw it, I hope you enjoyed it. I really do. That's all I ever want is for you to at least enjoy whatever movie you're watching. Um, I hope they hated it. (laughs) I would never wish that on anybody. So we can talk about how much we hate it together. Kirk, you're a little edgy today. You're throwing out, you're throwing out, (laughs) you throwing out a lot. You're like, I hope you hate this movie. Uh, No, it's, it's it's a bummer. I, I that's that's what I'm mostly left with is it's kind of a bummer. But it's just our opinion. I want to hear I want to hear your guys' opinions. Kirk and I do. That's why we have the Discord server. That's why we have social media. We're on there all the time. Uh, hit us up. Let us know your thoughts. We'll be posting this review. Uh, date of recording is actually Tuesday, February 22nd. This review will not go live until Friday, February 20. Hold on, fifth. Yes, fifth. So you guys will be hearing it then. Um, stay tuned uh, for more coming from Popcorn for Breakfast. Most specifically, and most of note, the Batman. The Batman is next week, and Kirk and I will be going to see it. We're very excited about that, and we will have a review coming as soon as we we get eyes on this film. We're we're very excited. Um, first time we've had a major Batman movie in a while, so it's going to be a good time. And of course, what's poppin' will be coming your way next week. If you haven't listened to this week's edition of What's Poppin', swing back. We talked about Star Trek. We talked about Stranger Things. We talked about uh, new Arthur. Star Wars series. We talked about Arthur. <laughs> we talked about the haunting image that the Arthur series left with us. There's <laughs> plenty of fun notes to go check out there. Uh, but until next time, I want to give a special thanks to our executive producer Ryan Spriggs and his band Red Rick. The music you're hearing right now is performed by them. Check them out on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever, and we will see you next week. Talk to you then.